0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, now all of locked on. We're going to talk about a loss. A loss, you know, I talked about on yesterday's show was probably coming. This is a rough series for the Indians, and let's be honest, they're not even at a hundred percent in terms of their roster. If they weren't playing in Toronto right now, Andres Jimenez would be with the team. He would be one of the players. It might be Owen Miller who wasn't up. I don't know if they'd shift someone else, but. I'm betting the minute they are done with Toronto, you're going to see a roster change, probably Miller for Jimenez right now. But yeah, they're they're not even, like I said, at a full-strength capacity. Uh, if you aren't familiar with that story, Andres Jimenez is currently working on becoming a naturalized citizen. There would have been some visa issues going to Toronto. It's a big of a muckety-doo because of you know, the state of the world right now. So he couldn't... It, it would have been a mess. They decided it's a four-game series, We'll call up Owen Miller. He deserves another opportunity. So, this game, not the most fun to watch, right? Right from the start, two home runs in the first inning. I had people asking me online, you know, please not the same guy he was a year ago. Now, I remember, last year was an incredibly small sample size, and there was always the concern he would regress. There was a lot of outlying stats that showed that he probably was not. I mean, last year he looked like a top 15 pitcher in baseball with what he was doing in terms of missing bats and not walking anyone. Well, plain and simply this year, he's not missing any bats. Uh, He's a completely different pitcher. And, you know, the whole team, the whole pitching staff is a bit home run prone. Now, the reason for that, I think, is a few years ago, it's kind of something that came and went, and people talked about a lot for one offseason and kind of forgot about is the A's and the Indians specifically went looking for fly ball pitchers. Because the idea is that, uh, yes, a fly ball will get out of the yard, but the most common outcome is an out. You're more likely to generate outs with a fly ball than a ground ball. A ground ball can get lucky. It can find a hole. That doesn't happen with a fly ball. So the downside of having a lot of fly ball pitchers is you're going to generate more outs. And, you know, in this specific case uh, well, no, (laughs) that's the upside. The downside is you're going to give up more home runs and you can just look across them to see that. So what's gone wrong? What has changed with Plesak? Uh, you know, we'll talk about the rest of the game in the second half, but let's just look over at baseball sabant. So a year ago, average exit velocity was a 58, max exit velocity, 54, hard hit, 74. Barrel percentage, 17th percent, so not great. But K percentage was 71st, walk percentage 99th, with percentage 72nd, chase percentage 90th. And if you're going, oh, well, maybe he's a spin rate guy, no, his fastball spin was 12%, his curveball spin was 8th percent. I don't know what he was doing uh to generate because his velocity is 48th. So he wasn't spinning it. It wasn't that. That's, it wasn't a guy who cheated. His spin. Uh, fastball spin has stayed exactly um, it went down from 12 to 11 and his curveball spin went from 8 to 2 the bigger problem is walk rate is now the only thing that's in the, uh, the red chase rate massively dropped for whatever reason I don't know if there was tape you know if players figured out or what's going on with him because he went from 90th percentile chase rate to 48th and if you go back to 2019 you know that year where he came up he's a lot closer to those numbers where he's almost entirely dark blue across the board there. That year, his fastball spin was 21. That's the highest. His curveball spin was one. Uh, you know He just doesn't, the, the secondary offerings aren't doing much. Yeah. He's great at limiting walks. He might be, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people talk about Eli Morgan. You know, I talked about him on the show yesterday and his great performance. A lot of people are saying Eli Morgan. Oh, he's, he's Josh Tomlin. Well, Eli Morgan, the difference between him and Tomlin is, Morgan's going to miss bats because that changeup is just obscene. It's it's, I've been saying uh, for the last two to three years, if you've been listening, it's the best changeup in the entire Indian system, and it has been almost from the moment they drafted him. It gives him a higher ceiling. He does have a lower floor as well because his fastball is not as good as Tomlin's, if we're being honest. His fastball is fringy at best, but that changeup gives him a higher ceiling. Plesak might be the guy who's Josh Tomlin in terms of home run rate, low walks, Limiting the damage, he's just not missing any bats. The chase rate, which again was 90th, is down to 48. The whiff whiff percentage, 72nd to uh, 28th. He's just and he's getting hit harder. So he's, you know, he's not missing bats. He's not making anyone chase. Uh, someone smarter than me could probably dive into the shape of his pitches and really get into some of this data. But he's just not looking great. Uh, he's nowhere near the guy he was you know, just a, last year. Last year, he looked like a legitimate ace type. Uh, you know, going and looking at his pitches, his slider uh, has less inches of drop this year. Uh, it's got, a, you know, decent amount, less break. And then just his four-seamer, which is kind of the one pitch that has good, you know, drop and break. Uh, you know, the the drop on it is the same. And the break is just a little bit lower. It's, yeah, like I said, it's one of those things. I just, I go through the data. I'm like, okay, so what's, what's going on? How about run value by pitch type? Let's see if we can see last year, you know, his his slider was a neg seven last year. It's a negative nine this year. His changeup was a neg six last year. Uh, This year it's a neg two. And you know, the four-seam fastball has been bad. His fastball, which he throws 40% of the time, has has been a bad pitch. In 2020, it was mediocre. So it's gone from mediocre to bad. And when you throw that 40% of the time, that's an issue. Now he has thrown his slider at 25. Last year was 27. The changeup 25. Last year was 23. So he's throwing pitches in about the same mix, just not getting as good of results. Like I said, I'll have to really dive into the numbers and see if there's someone smarter than me out there who could go through and try to figure out exactly what's going wrong, but you know, when you just go through him and you look at his overall performance, the thing that stands out is a year ago he successfully missed bats at a quite a high rate. This year he's not missing any, and that that's the difference. It kind of reminds me, I don't remember what year it was when Tomlin came back from injury. He had that one year where he missed bats, I, I you know I I do have the internet in front of me. I can look up. But he has like a strikeout rate per nine around eight or so, and he never touched it again that year. He looked like we thought he was gonna. Uh, it was twenty seventeen when it was at seven point seven nine, which for him, you know, was previous high before that. Well, he had a seven point two nine his first year in Atlanta, but he had a six point seven, a seven point three. Oh no, that's strikeout to walk. <laughs> Man, I can't read anything correctly today. Sorry, 2014 was that good year with a strikeout uh, of 8.1, and you know that's the year that he, you know, then 2015 it was at 7.8, and that's when he kind of had his great year. And the interesting because that was the year of the ERA was 3.02 over those 10 starts. The interesting thing though in that 2014 year is his FIP was lower. It was the best of his career that year until he moved to Atlanta, where he's been a reliable pitch for them mostly out of the bullpen uh i'm sure braves fans at times get frustrated with the home run rate but you know he is kind of turned into their version of a josh shaw not oof josh shaw i'm turning tomlin and uh josh tomlin brian shaw into one person brian shaw uh for them over there but you know three straight years he continues to pitch he's continued to be effective uh not a bad return for the former 19th round draft pick back in 2006 at a Texas Tech University Uh, it's you know you go back and you look at those Shapiro picks at this point in time I bet you Tomlin's one of the top 10 best ones I know we started talking about Plesak but again I think Plesak might be closer to Tomlin than Morgan is oh and to get back to the original question really got derailed here today People are like, should we trade him for outfield help? And my general view is no. Uh, Pitching is the hardest thing to acquire. Even if he is just a back-end pitcher, trying to find another back-end starter is hard to do. Uh, At this point in time, it's going to be easier to trade an infielder, hopefully, for outfield help. And honestly, they went and got Miles Straw to be your center fielder. You're hoping that Nolan Jones can get one spot. And honestly, you're hoping by the end of 2021 that George Valera is going to be in the other one. Uh, I expect we'll see him get caught up to double A sooner rather than later. And the overall thought process is that should be your outfield for the next five to six years. So I've kind of cooled on the idea of trading uh, for an outfielder in general. Uh, time to let some guys play and try to work our way through it. But yeah, I think by the end of next season, you could very likely see, well, if they don't trade Jose Ramirez and then move. Jones back to third but Jones was always kind of a so-so defender there for being honest so the long term of this team could still very well be Jones straw Valera in the outfield with your infield set up as some kind of Rosario Jimenez and Arias now that I've maybe depressed everyone with the thought of a Jose Ramirez trade let's take a moment and talk about our fantastic sponsor and that sponsor today is Spotify Green Room, formerly locked, not locked on, formerly locker room. Uh, I mentioned it last week, but two weeks ago we had a guy in there. who's like, "You're not recording, right? You're not recording." And boy, did he spill some goods. You never know what you're going to hear. Uh, you can get someone who has insider baseball knowledge, just letting it all hang out because it's a late night, approaching midnight on a Saturday, and they're just venting. You sometimes get someone uh, from in a whole other part of the country who loves Cleveland baseball, but also uh, loves you know, other teams or Japanese baseball. Uh, I've joined the last two weeks by the Mad Thinker, who some of you might know from the IBI boards back in the day, and we'll spend 45 minutes or so just talking baseball frustrations, uh, talking about the roster, talking about, you know, we debated prospect rankings this past week. Uh, a lot of fun things. Join me on Green Room on Saturday nights uh, to talk all things Indians. Time to get into the game. Let's talk about more than just sack, please, sack in this one because it was, again, it was an ugly one. Uh, the Indians did not manage a walk. As a matter of fact, there was one walk in the entire game. That's something that just stood out to me. I was trying to think the last time I saw a one walk game. Now, there was a hit batter. Uh, the walk and the hit batter both came from Trevor Steffen, who came in and was a long, uh, the long guy for the Indians. Another kind of rougher outing for him. Sam Hentges came in in that relief role, which is probably his ceiling. I I still think he's probably a reliever long term. And he did a good job uh, for the Indians in relief there. I was just trying to remember, like, when has he pitched? It felt like it had been forever. Uh, They called him up on July 22nd, and this was his first time pitching since then. His last appearance was July 7th for the Indians. So there's a reason why it felt like it had been a long time. It had been so. Please, Zach, Zero strikeouts. You know, final line: five run five innings, six runs, ten hits, no walks, two home runs in the first. Uh, you know, the other run came by a Trevor Steffian Ryu of the Blue Jays, made the Indians look rather silly. Seven innings, seven hits, no walks, two earned runs on eight Ks. He reached base twice in this one. Well, there were no walks, so it makes it rather easy. Bobby Bradley is it. The only problem is Bobby Bradley also had an error in this one. So no one really came out looking all that great. Uh, Bobby Bradley will get a player of the game because you don't have a lot of choices. When we do that whole the whole thing I like to do where I kind of add up total chances to reach base, the Indians had seven, and they got two runs on it. Uh, the other side, they had 14, and they got seven runs on it. It was just a not great game by the Indians in general. I There was no, uh, you know... I'm half tempted to make Miles Straw a player of the game, just because he had a, a, some pretty nice uh, defensive plays in center field. Uh, and this is a game where things are limited. But he also went over four or two strikeouts. Uh, Henches gets a player of the game as a pitcher, who, the only pitcher for the Indians in the game who did not give up a run, did not allow him to bring his ERA under eight yet, but he's getting closer. Bobby Bradley, even with the error, hey, he reached base twice and. Ooh, boy. Yeah, we'll give it to his defense in center field. That, that's where we are. That's that's what type of game this was. This was not a fun one to watch. Uh, it was just an ugly game all around. Unless you're a Blue Jays fan, then it might have been all right. But as an Indians fan, that was, it was just a game. You're sitting there almost just tolerating. Two more for the Indians against this Blue Jays team. Uh, neither of those matchups favor the Indians. You're going to be hearing that a lot from this point onward with this team. And that partially is like, I mean, Zach Plesak is a number five. He's probably their number one. Eli Morgan and Paul Quantrell have looked better. We'll see if they can keep it going. We've seen a lot of rookies or, you know, first year-ish types pitch well. And once the book gets out and teams have the video to review, the league can catch up very quickly to guys, a la Jeremy Sowers. So we will see. I'm not going to get too, I mean, a la Tristan McKenzie. Uh, you know, for a more recent example. Uh, And then you got McKenzie and Mejia. Uh, McKenzie has the ceiling, but I mean, anyone who listens knows I've often thought his long-term future is probably reliever. And Mejia, I think most people agree that reliever, but I I think he's got a high ceiling there. Like I was someone who was all for taking Mejia off the 40 man. I was not a big Mejia fan, but I think he is, uh, you don't take him off now. I think he's done enough to at least make you think that yeah, put him in the pen. Let him kind of be more of a two-pitch guy and let it play up and see what you can get. You know, it's it's the way it kind of is at this point is we're just trying to evaluate and see. Hinch uh, is in the pen is good. Let's see if he can work in that role. If not, I mean, he could be a player. Again, maybe maybe they take my idea of the draft pick, acquiring a draft pick. There are teams out there who would be intrigued by a lefty with his size and ability. Uh, I don't know. I just keep seeing with him with his left handed and velocity, I just, Nick Hagedone keeps coming to mind. Uh, sorry uh, for people out there. I I, mean, I I ranked him as like the third best prospect in the system at one point in time. Uh, so, you know, for what it's worth. Speaking of players, I ranked a lot higher than others. Uh, there were some interesting promotions we'll get to in the next part of the show. Way back in 2020, when I posted my top uh, 11 Indians prospects, my 11th ranked prospect was Cody Morris, and I called him the deep sleeper in the system. He, uh, he's one of those players who got promoted. We're going to talk about him, talk about some of the other names who got promoted and, you know, just what that means again for roster crunch. I know people get tired of roster crunch, but it's just going to be the story from here on out with this team, honestly. So, well, outside of promotions, because I, I still, again, I don't see this, uh, they're 500 this is not a team that is going to compete for the wild card. unfortunately this year, hopefully next year. But let's take that quick commercial break now and then come back and talk about some promotions that happened in the system. And that sponsor is builtbar.com. You know it, you love it. And if you don't know it and you don't love it, what are you doing? Pause the podcast, go put an order, use the promo code lock It is the best tasting bar I have ever had. Gets an A by my health food app. Toffee Almond is back for a limited time. Grasshopper Cookie, back for a limited time. Orange, back for a limited time. Strawberry, back for a limited time and with every order you get a free built travel cooler so if you've ever been tempted to go over to builtbar.com i would recommend i love that grasshopper i'm half tempted to order a box of the toffee almond i might end up doing that right now on the show uh and the orange as well it's a great tasting product that's good for you and again when you put your orders in right now you're going to get a mini uh travel cooler Useful for the uh, the bars themselves if you want to keep them cool on the go. And they're an official sponsor of the U.S. track and field team in the Olympics right now. So go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. Your stomach will thank you when it's full, and your body will thank you for the nutritious and delicious ingredients you will get at BuiltBar.com. We can talk about some promotions now. We can also talk about some statistical performers I got both of those things kind of queued up as my talking points that I wanted to discuss in this third segment today, and I gave myself a little bit more time because there's so much to talk about in that regard. I still have the stats up. I actually want to talk about the official list. So you have Jonathan Lopez, infielder, who is, I want to say, also spent some time catching, going from Lake County to Lynchburg. Julian Escobedo, who's gone from Lynchburg to Lake County, overdue, high-level performer. We'll talk about him. Uh, Angel Lopez, catcher from Akron to Lake County. So he gets demoted because they want to promote Eric Rodriguez, catcher from late, uh, from Lynchburg to Akron. So you have Rodriguez gets promoted. Angel Lopez gets, goes all the way to the lowest rung uh, just to figure out the, the catching throughout. And then uh, Will Brennan, who has been performing very well. Uh, another draft pick from last year. He joins fellow draftee... Uh, Tanner Burns and is already up to A Akron. And Cody Morris gets the bump all the way up to Columbus. We talked about there's some new pitchers coming in. And the Cody Morris promotion, when, because of that, then Zach Godley got released. So that's one, they're now down to 179. The Cody Morris promotion is fascinating for a few reasons because if he doesn't get promoted, you know, we've talked about that that rotation was going to be bait and field. Pilkington, Logan T. Allen, Adam Scott, and Cody Morris. Now Morris gets promoted to AAA after five starts in Double I don't know if this is a promotion to stay, but it seems like it, five starts. You know, I had someone be like, well, as I said, he could pitch in the majors this year because he has to be added to the 40 man at the end of the year. I had someone go, you know, that'd be quicker than Shane Bieber got to the majors. The big difference in the elephant in the room is 2020 didn't happen. Uh, I think he was an alt site guy. I'd have to go double-check that. But he would have more, you know, innings pitched pitch than Cody Allen if, if he had had all of last year. He didn't. But he's still moving at an incredibly quick pace to get to the big leagues. Had some missed time with injuries. You know, he's a developmental guy. He was a big body guy who could throw hard at South Carolina. The South Carolina baseball program has some guys here or there, but it's not one that is, you know, it, it's not the cream of the crop of the SEC The Indians worked with Morris, and after five starts in double-A, that's it. I mean, I'm just going to keep harping on that. He gets promoted. This also shows us Juan Hillman is still important to them, because this means they didn't, you know, if he had stayed there, Juan Hillman was likely going to be the guy who got moved into a pen role. They still want Hillman to start. They still like enough of what they see there that they decide to move up Morris, let go Godley, and then when they add Pilkington and Batenfield in to that rotation, uh, you'll have that five, and then eventually it'll be interesting to see what the decision becomes when Cantillo gets healthy. But until then, I mean, this is clearly shows who they value. Major deal for Cody Morris. That's also a massive deal for Will Brennan, who, again, you know, just the second player from that draft class. Carson Tucker hasn't even hardly played this year uh, in the lower minors, the first overall pick. Tanner Burns, the next pick, is is still in uh, Lake County, and you've got Brennan and Logan T. Allen already up there. It's uh, it's quite the accomplishment. It, it's and then we also have to point out. Uh, let's see, on the first we had a Scott Moss uh, sighting over in Columbus Clipperland. So Moss is healthy. Things are looking up. Things are looking better. So you have. It's an interesting rotation. Kirk McCarthy has pitched really well throughout this year. McCarty. Shane McC- McCarthy is the one who just had Tommy John. Kirk McCarthy has been uh, in AAA since the extended spring training type. It's interesting. I would have thought like these were the starters with McCarty. Moss is coming back from injury, so he's not a starter up there yet. Jordan Stevens, uh, starter. And then Alex Young, apparently they also have working out of the pen, who we talked about on last week's show. Cleveland Bourne. So that was a suspended game that they resumed in that one. So yeah, it's it's just interesting to look at this team in general and look at these minors and see what they're doing uh, across the board. There's the moving around. Now let's talk about, let's take a second and talk about Will Brennan. Uh, I'm sorry, he's a 2019 pick. So <laughs> everything I've said about him being from last year's class is wrong. And I should have known that because they didn't take a college bat last year. He was a 2019 pick. Oh, people are yelling at me. People are yelling at me right now. And yeah, because last year had six players, Tucker, Tolentino, and Halpin, Hickman, Burns, and Logan Allen, the younger. No, no Will Brennan. Will Brennan was 2019. Kansas State outfielder, who they announced as a switch player, and they have not followed through on that. Now, he was old for the level. Like, he was old for Lake County. It's good they promoted him. Uh, 2.90, 3.68, 4.41 slug, 8.09 OPS, no power at all, Walks some, doesn't strike out a ton, has some doubles pop, stole some bases. He's a center fielder. Kind of a fringe prospect overall for me, but he has performed well, and sometimes those guys turn into something. Sometimes they turn into depth players. Uh, He is still listed on baseball references, an outfielder and a pitcher. He is not... Uh, He has not pitched since he was at Kansas State, so I I think that dream is uh, deferred. He has been center field, left field for the uh, Lake County this year. Yeah, deserved promotion. Again, sorry that I messed that up. Uh, Let's talk about Julian Escobedo. So he stood out when I was looking at uh, players performing at Lynchburg because he had... You know, 254, 315, 433, 748 OPS. It's an okay one. I'm trying to remember, I think it's just when I was looking at Lynchburg numbers, it was the fact that, you know, he was, I'm not sure, but it is also natural with him being 23 years of age that you would push him up to see if you have something with him. 17th round pick also in 2019 from San Diego State University, a center fielder. So he replaces Brennan and yeah, so just kind of the natural train as they move guys up. Uh, Again, I'm trying to remember. I swear there was a point in time where that name stood out to me. And unfortunately, that is lost. Now, one of the nice things over on the Tribe Insider account is they post stats. Now, I'm laughing because some of the stats are like wins, shutouts, complete games where they have one, or shutouts where they have one, Alex Royalty, or where they have win percentage, but they only list qualified pitchers. So there's three of them Kurt McCarthy, Juan Hillman, and Tanner Tully. Uh, So these lists for pitchers are not very informative. The interesting one I think that stands out is strikeouts. Uh, I think the rest of it's kind of not all that worthwhile to bother looking at. But when you look at strikeouts, Daniel Spino leads the team. Number two, Xavion Curry, who we have not talked about uh, kind of from his early beginnings when he was down in Lynchburg, uh, when he got bumped up, he's still performing really well at Lake County. Uh, 10.2 strikeouts per nine, 1.6 walks per nine. Home run rate is up with for him as well, but he's still missing bats and still not walking anyone, which is fantastic to see. And then the next name up, Logan, uh, Logan Allen the Younger. We've talked about him at length. Fourth guy we got to talk about. So Jamie Arias Batista. He is a name you may not know. He was never drafted. Left-handed pitcher out of California State University, Fresno. Went to Woodlawn High School in California. He turned 22 in January. He was a 2020 draftee. You know, and for those who don't know, that's Fresno State. <laughs> so it's a good baseball program. In college, he was an Indians pitcher. You know, walk rates of 1.6, 2.7, 1.1. Strikeout rates of 8.2, 11.4, 8.3. Undrafted free agent. So probably got 20,000 to sign this year. They put him in Lynchburg and he is, uh, he's had five starts, 18 total games pitched in. he's worked out of the pen a lot and 11.9 strikeouts per nine, 1.8 walks per nine. He's gotten a few more starts, I believe of late. And again, this is a guy who fits their profile. They've been able to maybe let him play up a bit. They threw him into loe He's performing well there. He is the league average age, and like I said, you know Espino, everyone knows Logan Allen, everyone knows Zabian Curry. We've talked about Arias Batista. I might have talked about in passing when they signed him. That's that's truly a a name that stood out, and I was like, I I had forgotten about him. You know, he had not been used uh, too heavily, and even in Fresno State, he was. Mostly a reliever, his senior year or his senior, his junior year he got to be a starter, but COVID happened, so he only had four games, four starts. Before that, he had ten starts over two years, when he appeared in a total of 51 games. So, you know, he's been used to that role of sometimes starter, and he's doing that for the Indians. But when you see that guy who didn't get a chance to have potentially a breakout, you know, junior year, who, I mean, sophomore year was absolute nails out of the pen, was a closer for Fresno State then has a, a good start to his ear before everything gets shut down. There's reasons for excitement. There's reasons to think that, you know, there could be more to find here, that he is the type of arm the Indians develop well. a uh, left-handed pitcher could be something there. Just saying, he's a, he's a deep sleeper helium candidate in the Indian system. And Espino, if you're curious, strikeouts per nine is currently 14.4 for him uh, since he moved up to... Uh, Lake County, he's at 17.3 strikeouts per night. Now the walk rate is 4.7, 4.2 in Lake County. Uh, he is walking, guys. He is a little home run prone. I still think better than average chance he ends up a reliever. It's the same thing I reported in the draft in 2019. There were teams that did not have him on their board because they saw physically maxed off, high effort delivery, lots of risk and all of that. Where the Indians are the ones who just don't care. You know, he's still only 20 years of age, even though he was drafted in 2019. He is you know a young player. Physically, you know, they could do some more things here and there, but he was not going to get too much bigger. And he has been as exciting as advertised. I'm not, not to be negative on him. I think if you list him as the number one prospect in the system, you're being crazy because he's a pitching prospect in low A. And if you're going to bet on a pitching prospect in low A, uh, I just feel like you haven't been doing it long enough. It's The burnout rate is just so high, and it's such a risk. And it's not even necessarily injury. It's just moving up the ladder. And, you know, it's I, I can understand it to a degree if you are someone who bets on ceiling. But at the same time, you're betting on the control, improving a grade while the player is moving up. Excitement might cause him to be higher placed than I think he should be in some places. We will have to see. Uh, not to get anyone down, but, you know, outside of Danny Salazar, the Indians really haven't had a whole lot of success with those kind of high impact arms. And they've they've taken a lot of them, you know, maybe Mike Clevenger as well. Uh, and then you, you have Clevenger and Salazar as your success stories, two guys who've really struggled with injuries. And there's a reason why with profiles like that and man, I'm getting negative here. So let's get back to the positive (laughs) lined up all this data. I didn't even get to talk about it. Let's talk about the funniest part about all of this stats. So, the offensive side is a lot more interesting. That leading the Indians minor leagues in average and slugging and uh, OPS, they don't list on base, oh no, and an on base percentage is M. Ramirez. That's right, Michael Ramirez is down uh, in, he's a catcher first baseman who has spent the majority of the year in uh, the rookie league as a 22-year-old. So he is facing a lot of teenagers and just killing it. (laughs) No home runs, but, uh, you know, he's got 12 walks and three strikeouts and 73 plate appearances. He also hasn't played a lot, but it's more the humor of M. Ramirez leading the team in many categories. Uh, When you go into average, you know, Yonor Diaz is still listed in here, third. Richie Palacios, fourth on-base percentage. Palacios is, used to be at the top. He's now eighth. You know, Interesting name. Isaiah Green is third on there. Home runs. Oscar Gonzalez, 16. He's crushing everyone. Benson, 12. We haven't talked about Alex calling uh, Trenton Brooks in a while, but they're next on that list. And Alex uh, Planez, Alexia Planez, who's another guy who's Rule 5 eligible, who we really haven't had a chance to discuss this year too much either. He's tied for fourth with Trenton Brooks. I, I kind of want them to call up Brooks at some point. He's just... He's doing so much. Yeah, you, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, in terms of slugging percentage, how about Gabriel Arias is 10th. Andres Jimenez is 4th. Richie Palacios, 5th. So yeah, that's right. He's he's up there in both. So an OPS, uh, not counting the guys in the rookie-level baseball, it's Palacios he has the highest OPS in the minors. Then comes Benson, Owen Miller, uh, Sang Quinton, then Isaiah Green, then Jimenez. So he has some interesting names there. I don't want to spend too much time on Arias, just because I'm going to save that for uh, the Pat Chat tomorrow. And honestly, the podcast is getting long. I just took out about four minutes of additional stat talk, but I'm sure nobody really wanted to hear anyways. I want to thank everyone for listening, rating and reviewing, downloading daily. That all really helps the show grow. Join in for tomorrow's Pat Chat. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about Gabriel Arias. And if you missed it, you can go check out Pat's uh, Twitter at tangible underscore uno where he makes a case for Gabriel Reyes to be the top prospect in the Indian system. Again, thank you all, and for the next year, go Indians, and after that, go Guardians.